Camera five. He turned to the bank of small glowing screens and quickly catch sight of the individual. Only human. He usually knew for certain right away. Once in a great while, he wasn't sure of it, and he went down in the silent, speeding elevator and walked near the person long enough to ascertain from a score of details that this was only a man. Other dreams. Small play buildings for children made exquisitely out of space-age plastics with rich and intricate detail. He saw small cathedrals, castles, palaces, perfect replicas of the larger architectural treasures produced with lightning speed and cost-effective, as the board would put it. There would be numerous sizes, from dwellings for dolls to houses which children could enter themselves and carousel horses for sale, made of wood resin, which almost anyone could afford. Hundreds could be given to schools, hospitals, other such institutions. Then there was the ongoing obsession, truly beautiful dolls for poor children, dolls that would not break and could be cleaned with ease, but that he had been working on more or less since the new century dawned. For the last five years he had produced cheaper and cheaper dolls, dolls superior to those before them, dolls of new chemical materials, dolls that were durable and lovable, yet still they cost too much for poor children. This year he would try something entirely different. He had plans on the drawing board, a couple of promising prototypes, perhaps... He felt a consoling warmth steal through him as he thought of these many projects, for they would take him hundreds of years. Long ago, in ancient times, as they called them, he had dreamed of monuments, great circles of stone for all to see, a dance of giants in the high grass of the plain. Even modest towers had obsessed him for decades, and once— the lettering of beautiful books had taken all his joy for centuries. But in these playthings of the modern world, these dolls, these tiny images of people, not children, really, for dolls never really did look like children, he had found a strange and challenging obsession. Monuments were for those who traveled to see them. The dolls and toys he refined and manufactured reached every country on the globe, Indeed, machines had made all sorts of new and beautiful objects available for people of all nations, the rich, the impoverished, those in need of comfort or sustenance and shelter, those kept in sanitariums and asylums, which they could never leave. His company had been his redemption. Even his wildest and most daring ideas had been put into successful production. Indeed, he did not understand why other toy companies made so few innovations, why cookie-cutter dolls with vapid faces lined the shelves of emporiums, why the ease of manufacture had not produced a wilderness of originality and invention. Unlike his joyless colleagues, with each of his triumphs he had taken greater risks. It didn't make him happy to drive others out of the market. No, Competition was still something he could only grasp intellectually. His secret belief was that the number of potential buyers in today's world was unlimited. There was room for anyone marketing anything of worth. And within these walls, 
Within this soaring and dangerous tower of steel and glass, he enjoyed his triumphs in a state of pure bliss which he could share with no one else. No one else. Only the dolls could share it. The dolls who stood on the glass shelves against the walls of colored marble. The dolls who stood on pedestals in the corners. The dolls who clustered together on his broad wooden desk. His brew, his princess, his French beauty, a century old. She was his most enduring witness. Not a day passed that he didn't go down to the second floor of the building and visit the brew. A bisque darling of impeccable standards, three feet tall, her mohair curls intact, her painted face a masterpiece, her torso and wooden legs as perfect now as they were when the French company had manufactured her for the Paris market over one hundred years ago. That had been.